Oh, isn't Jesus good? Oh, I love him so much. He's so good and so kind and so lovely and so pure and so righteous. And he just takes such good care of us. He tells us the Bible uh, is a history book. So there's a, there's a recorded history of a moment where Jesus was uh, in Galilee, which is in the north part of uh, the, Israel, and um, he's with his disciples, he's with his 12 disciples, and he goes, he decides to take a journey north, and he goes for probably 15, 20, maybe 25 miles north from where he was, we're not quite sure where he started, but he went north to a town called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a town that was known, that actually wasn't really part of Israel, and it was known as a place of great iniquity. It was built, it originally called, uh, by the Greeks, it was originally called Panias. It was a place that was built, dedicated to the god Pan, which was the god of fear, which is where we get our word panic from. So if you, just a little aside, if you're having panic attacks, it may not be from you, maybe from the enemy. And we can help you take care of that. But he was... He was, uh, this, this town, Caesarea Philippi, uh, was named after um, the Herod and then the, the, the emperor, uh, Caesar Augustus. It was built on the, 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 uh, the slopes of a mountain called Mount Hermon, which um, was, uh, had a, at the bottom of Mount Hermon, they had a cave. At the bottom of that cave, some springs came out of. And at the bottom of that, that, and that cave was actually called, or known at the time, as the Gates of Hell. And this city was known for its uh, worship. It had a temple for Zeus, had a temple for Pan, and they had incredible acts of wickedness that would happen, including child sacrifice, prostitution, uh, and a whole manner of horrible, horrible things that happened in this place. In fact, um, it, it was known as the Gates of Hell. It was a very, very wicked place. Uh, Hebrew, uh, in the old Jewish uh, folklore at the time, they, they thought, you know, there's a, a passage um, in early Genesis where um, the, uh, the angels see the, the women of God and come down and have uh, sexual relations with the women. Jewish folklore was that Mount Hermon was the place where that happened. And so Jesus takes his disciples on a little journey into the heart of darkness. And he goes to Caesarea Philippi, and he's, he's in Caesarea Philippi, surrounded by all these temples, surrounded by um, this worship, all this debauchery. Um, in fact, just south of there has, had been the site where um, Jeroboam, as a wicked king of Israel, had set up this shrine in the, in the area of Dan to worship Baal. It was not a good place. And Jesus goes into the very heart of darkness and in Matthew chapter 16, he turns around to his disciples and says, so, hey, who do people say I am? People, some people say, well, you're, John, you're Elijah, you're the prophet. Some people say that you're John the Baptist. And, and Jesus says, okay, well, who do you say I am? Notice from who do the people say I am, now making it personal, who do you say I am? And in John chapter 16, um, Peter, in verse uh, 16, he says this, you are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And of course, Jesus gets really super excited. He was actually kind of an excitable guy. You know, sometimes I think we think of Jesus sort of walking around on a cloud and just, you know, in a serene way. He felt all of our emotions. He felt everything that we felt. He was just like us. And he answers him and he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who has revealed this to you, my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. Jesus, Peter got this revelation of who Jesus was standing in the middle of this place that was known as the gates of hell. And Jesus is like, whoa, you've got this revelation. You didn't get this from yourself. Take a note that you actually can't see Jesus on your own. You need God to reveal him to you. If you have not yet seen Jesus, ask God to reveal him to you. It's definitely worth it. And he says, you, uh, flesh and blood have revealed this, to, not, not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to say this, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he goes on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I love this passage. I just, I love the fact Jesus there standing with his disciples, standing in the place called the gates of hell. And he's saying, based on the revelation of who I am, for centuries and centuries, there's been an argument about, is he talking about Peter or is he talking about the revelation? I think he's probably talking about both. But he's definitely talking about the revelation of who I am. What's the revelation? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. The foundation of the church is this, that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth as the son of God, fully God and yet fully man. And he uh, came to take away the sins of the world, to establish himself as the righteousness of heaven upon the earth, to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth, to make peace by the blood of his cross, to reestablish those of us that had been made in God's image, which is all of humanity, that where we had fallen short of the glory of God to bring us back into the glory of God. The church is founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the perfect one, the Son of God made manifest amongst us. The one who has reconciled all of heaven to earth, the one who's given his life for the salvation of all of the earth, the one who has joined with the disconnection between God and man. That's our foundation. And so this church, the, the church is built upon the foundation of that. And I want just to take a moment to note, for us to note this. Jesus says, I will build my church. A couple of things to note out of that. The first thing is, this church is not our church. This, this church is God's church. This church is not my church. It's not Ash's church. It's not Duncan and Kate's church. It's not the leader's church. It's, it's not even our church. It's Jesus' church. Second thing to note is Jesus' church doesn't just include us. <laughs> Isn't it good to know that the challenges of the earth are not just resting upon our shoulders? Actually, the government of God is upon Jesus' shoulders. And we are part of the global body of Christ made up of all the people that believe in Jesus that gather together in his name in whatever format and forum across the triangle region, across the whole of this nation and across the nations of the world. I love gathering together on a Sunday morning because we're not just joining with each other, which I love. I absolutely love joining together with you in worship. 
I love worshipping Jesus together. I love giving him the glory that's due his name. But I love to think about the fact that we're joining in with heaven because heaven and earth have now been reconciled. I love to think about the fact that we're joining with all of the believers around the city and not just around the city, but around the whole world giving praise and glory to Jesus Christ. Isn't that glorious? And so it's Jesus' church. The second thing we can realize is that he said, I'm going to build it. So that's a good thing. That means there's no pressure. And the third thing that I want us just to notice quickly is to say that the, this, the word for church, actually many of us will know this, but it's actually um, doesn't, it's not synagogue, it's not assembly, it's not temple. Jesus actually took a word that was in, uh, used first by the Greeks and then the Romans, and it was ecclesia or ecclesia, depending on which part of the world you come from. And if you're, probably, if you're Greek, you probably say it even differently again. Is that right, Danny? Ecclesia, thank you. Uh, resident Greek up at the front here. Actual Greek, and maybe a Greek scholar, I don't know. But anyway, it always helps to have somebody that can speak the language, right? Um, and that word wasn't actually a religious word, it was a secular word, and throughout the Greek world, right down uh, to New Testament times, the ecclesia was a designation of the regular assembly of the whole body of citizens in a free state, i.e. the ones that had been called out by the, by the herald or by the, by the, um, yeah, for the decision and the discussion of public business. In other words, the ecclesia was a, a, a body established for legislation within a city. Not just a group gathered to have a nice time, but actually a group to make decisions and to decide about what was going to happen in their city to bring about the, the rule and the reign of the, 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 the power that was now over, overseeing that city to bring about, in the case of the Greeks and the Jews, to bring about Roman rule and Roman law, Roman culture. The, the ecclesia was established as a body of citizens to bring about, to legislate what was going to happen in the city. So Jesus is saying, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my group of people that will have legislative authority because they are seated in the heavenly realms with me in Christ Jesus, as Paul says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, that the carrying his authority, all things now placed under his feet, and because, because we are the, the body of Christ, therefore all things, we are at least from the feet upwards. And therefore, all things are not only under Jesus' feet, but they're under our feet. So he's established his legislative body, his ecclesia, you and I as his church to function, to establish and determine what is going to go on in our cities and in our nation and in our world. Representing the call and the command, the, the blessing that he gave, that the Father gave Adam when he made us, Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, 28. 28, he said this, and he blessed and he said, be fruitful, be, be filled. No, Jesus, help me. I'm getting my scriptures confused. And he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, take care of it. And the church has been established as his body to be a legislative body to bring heaven to earth. And he said, goes on to say, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bind in heaven. When you line up with heaven's will and heaven's priority, when you line up with the heaven's thoughts, whatever you see in heaven, release it upon the earth and it will be done. As the ecclesia, we have the keys to the kingdom of God. You can get excited about that. 
We're the called out ones. We're his legislative body. We're the ones that have been established in God's image, carrying his very DNA, carrying the life of the Spirit, carrying the rivers of living water on the inside of us. And he's saying, I'm building you into my ecclesia and this is what's going to happen. You're going to overcome the gates of hell. They're not going to overcome you. So how is Jesus building his ecclesia? Well, he's building it through the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to lead us and guide us into all truth. By the Holy Spirit, he's filling us with his love. Jesus said, you will, they will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. He's building his ecclesia through empowering us with his anointing, the very presence of his, of, his, of his person and the Holy Spirit, giving us life and power, not just to have empty words, but for heaven to back up the words that we speak, for the decrees that we make, for the, for the prayers that we make, that all of heaven moves on our behalf because we carry the power and the anointing. And his, the Holy Spirit's positioning us as a body into our true authority in Christ Jesus so that we understand and live out of our heavenly rank, which is all things under our feet. So he's building his ecclesia through the Holy Spirit. He's also building his ecclesia by his anointing upon leaders and, and, and actually his anointing upon all of us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, it says, he gave... Um, he, <laughs> My brain's not working very well. I'm going to have to turn to that. And he says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he goes on to say, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, in verse 11, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus is building his church by releasing the, the anointing of his very person and releasing that upon us and to varying degrees of, of, uh, of, of a measure of leadership and capacity for all of us to walk at some degree in his apostolic anointing, in his pr prophetic anointing, in his pastoral anointing, in his uh, if, um, no, sorry, evangelistic anointing, his pastoral anointing, and his teaching anointing. The anointing of Jesus now established upon his church and he's building his church by anointing leaders that are going to teach others, but we all carry a measure of it. Yes? So we all carry a measure of Christ and he's leading us and he's bringing us into that greater fullness of who he actually is. And so we need each other. We need the gifting. We need the anointing. We need the, the gift of God that is on your life so that we all together can be built further up into the body of Christ, into the fullness of who he is. Without you, we're not going to be as full as we should be. But we also recognize there's obviously people around in this community that carry a greater function, a greater realm of, and a greater measure of the anointing uh, for, for those things. And we recognize those, but that's not to diminish our own capacity that we have. So he's building through the fivefold anointing of Christ Jesus. We all carry a measure. That's what, kind of why we want you to join an Ignite group. It's not just so that we can say, hey, look at us, we've got some nice groups. It's actually because in that moment, the measure of Christ's gift upon you and the measure of the Holy Spirit upon the inside of you is actually going to help equip those around you for the work of the ministry. You're going to be equipped for the work of the ministry by those around you and for, by the leader of the group that's going to bring their anointing and pour into you. Be, please be part of an Ignite group because... You're actually expressing the anointing of Jesus upon you. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to be equipped. Join an Ignite group. 
Join an Ignite group for community. Join an Ignite group to express being together as the Ecclesia. As you gather as an Ignite group, remember that you're dangerous. Remember that you get to legislate together what happens in your cities, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. Gather together to pray for situations of what's going on in one member's you know, workplace. If there's some strife or division, gather together as the ecclesia. Make some declarations. Bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. Release the kingdom of God into that situation so that you're not on your own, but you've got people around you decreeing and declaring together the life of heaven into, into our society. Come on an encounter weekend. We've got our encounter weekend in a couple of weeks' time. One of the ways that Jesus is building his church is by training and equipping us. People that have a gifting and a, a, a calling to train and equip. We've got our, uh, in two weeks' time, the 24th and the 25th of January, we've got our encounter weekend. The first track of that is for us to be equipped in our identity and to have, a, a, in a sense, a basic, under, a base level power wash of who we are in Christ Jesus, of the Father's love for us, of the healing of our hearts, of, getting, of walking free and, and coming into his vision for our lives. That's our first track. The second track that we've got is learning how the fact that we're big, that we're being in God's image, that actually the life and the love of God is flowing through us in every way, that we're learning how to be supernatural in everyday natural experiences. So we've got Mr. Jeff who's leading us in that, who's who's been equipping us to go downtown and and just release the life of God into Variety of situations, be it on the streets, be it in our in our um, uh, our towns, be it in people's homes, wherever we might find ourselves. Got an ambition. In a few months' time, I think in in March, there's a body, mind, spirit convention that's happening in Raleigh. Here's one of my desires, as and and I think I share this on behalf of our team. How amazing would it be to have a team of people there for to help people that are spiritually seeking new age, uh, satanic things, whatever it might be, to actually encounter Jesus because there's believers that have been trained and equipped to walk in God's image and to give his love away. And then the third track we've got is uh, Erica James doing deliverance. You want to get free? You want to help people get free? Sign up that we can walk free to be all that God's got given, made us to be, free from all influence of the demonic. We're going to prevail against the gates of hell. Not in our own strength, but because Jesus said, I'm building my church. And so we're partnering with Jesus together to see the gates of hell removed in our cities. We're partnering together through our worship, through our lifestyle of purity. You know, our, what, what, the, the purity and our worship of, heaven, of Jesus actually creates an atmosphere that shifts things in our city. We're partnering with Jesus through our love, loving one another, loving the lost, loving those around us. We're partnering with Jesus to see the gates of hell shifted through prayer. We're partnering with Jesus to see the gates of hell shifted through our actions, 
in our workplaces, in our schools, in our coffee shops, through our entrepreneurial people in Christ, epic community, through Embrace Durham, through our outreach program. We're partnering with Jesus, not so that we can go and do some nice things, but because we want to see the gates of hell shifted and removed in, which in, in people's thinking, from our culture, from our, um, from our government, from our education, from our businesses, from our economy, from all of the, our spheres of influence within our society. We want to see the gates of hell shift because that is who God's called us to be. What you do on a Monday in bringing the kingdom of God to your workplace, which may just look like being diligent and effective and doing your job really, really well, it's a really good start to bring the kingdom of God, by the way. Doing everything that you wanna do, that you're doing unto the Lord. That is as important as what we do here. If we're able to, um, you know, my uh, uh, one of our uh, eldest daughter, Hannah, she's... Um, teaching school this year, first year at school uh, in a middle school, teaching grade uh, six kids. And it's a challenging situation. One of the things that we've been helping her with is to learn how to take uh, authority over the spiritual atmosphere in her classroom. You can do the same in your workplace because you're carrying the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, the gates of hell are not gonna prevail. You might be in a situation in work that's very, very tough and maybe you want to leave, but maybe God's saying, no, stay because I want to see the kingdom of God come through you. And then, in, and then moving forward in this, in this story, we get to um, the story of transfiguration. So Jesus having proclaimed that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against them, he goes from the gates of hell up the mountain. He goes, in a sense, further up into the darkness. He takes three of his disciples in Matthew 17 and he goes up the mountain into, um, uh, to pray together with uh, Peter, James and John. And it, and, and it says, we haven't got time to read all the scripture, but it says that he was transfigured. In other words, he, his clothes were made white. He became radiant. He was seen, the disciples saw him for tru- who he truly was and, and Moses and Elijah appeared to him. And uh, all of a sudden, as, as they're quaking in their boots, the disciples, this, this cloud comes over and overshadows them. It's the cloud of glory. And this voice comes from the cloud that says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And of course, and it's the father speaking and declaring over, the, over Jesus, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. A new command, listen to him. And uh, the disciples are quaking in their boots. Moses and Elijah are there. We haven't got time to go into that symbolism, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, depth in this that we haven't got time to get into. But there he is, and, and, and the voice that comes, I love how the, trash, the, the Passion Translation says, this is my dearly beloved son, the constant focus of my delight. And the Father is emphasizing that Jesus is more important than the law and the prophets. Jesus is more important than anything else. Listen to him, pay attention to him, obey him, worship him and him only. And then the cloud lifts and it says, and they saw Jesus only. What's filling your vision? What's filling my vision? What's filling our gaze and our attention? May it be Jesus Christ. May, him be the fo- may he be the focus of our worship, the focus of our desire. May he be our everything. He comes down the mountain, and I'm summarizing this because I'm running out of time. He comes down the mountain, and there's a bit of a kerfuffle down the bottom of the mountain. And there's an argument going on. 
and, 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 his disciples, and Jesus comes in and goes, hey, what's happening? And all the crowd run to him and go, thank God you're here. I said, what's going on? And he says, well, this, this, this man comes up and he says, well, I have this son who has, has a demon possessed. And, and when the demon gets hold of him, it throws him down and, and he gnashes his teeth and he foams and, he's to, and he gets thrown into the fire. And I came to your disciples and they couldn't get rid of him. They couldn't get rid of the demon. And so we've been in a flat panic. My phrase, not theirs. And Jesus is like, Ugh, oh, foolish and wicked generation, faithless generation. How long do I have to put up with you? Bring him here. And then he says, come out of him. And it rises around on the floor and makes him fall down. And then the demon comes out. Interesting, he comes down from the place of the gates of hell, has an encounter with the gates of hell, just to re-emphasize to his disciples, I'm building my church, the encounter with the gates of hell. Who Guess who wins? Jesus wins. And so the disciples are like, um, uh, what happened? How, how can we do that? And Jesus talks about faith and faith the side of a mustard seed and I haven't got time to go into that other than to say that uh, mustard seed faith isn't very big. The importance of faith isn't the size of it, it's who you've got your eyes fixed upon. If you have a mustard seed of faith, roll your mustard seed up to the mountain until it's a move. And then they look up at Jesus and wait for it to move. Right? And so Jesus says, well, this kind... First of all, he rebukes them for their faith and then he said lack of faith and then he says this kind can only come out by prayer. And in, Mark, in the Mark version, uh, there's a footnote and it says this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. It's not in every translation so it remains as a footnote. But there he's having this moment of encounter with the demonic. The demonic wins. So how are the gates of hell overcome? Well, the gates of hell are overcome by the glory of Christ. By the revelation of who he is. The gates of hell are come by a church that is consecrated to him and adoring the glory of Christ, loving him above all things, worshipping him with prayer and fasting. The gates of hell are moved by our fasting and our prayer. Not by our own effort, but I think by focusing our eyes upon Jesus. And so to, I just, as I draw to a close, I want to remind us as a church, we're stepping in today into a 21-day fast. A time to see the glory and to savour the glory of Christ. Actually, my prayer for us this, this next 21 days is that we get a glimpse of Jesus the way the disciples up the mountain got a glimpse of him and saw him in his glory. That we would get a glimpse of Jesus that he is above the prophets and the law. That we would get a glimpse of Jesus that he's way better than our religion and our efforts. That we would get a glimpse of Jesus that he is better than any idol that we can put in front of us. Whether it's success, fame, money, bank accounts, good, uh, good looking husband or wife, clothes that we wear, car that we drive, people's adoration of us, people liking us, whatever the idol is, that we would see and savor Jesus above all things. And that we would, we would uh, enjoy him. And so our priority this next 21 days is to focus our eyes on Jesus. See his glory, worship him, prioritize him. And you know, fasting in, in and of itself is really not that great if all you think about is or you fill your time with busyness. The purpose of fasting, and I want to remind you as a church, we're not necessarily talking about fasting from food. You can fast in many ways. You can fast from food. You could fast from types of food. You could fast from uh, sugar. You could fast from, um, you know, meat. 
You could do a complete fast where you just drink water, but you could also fast from social media. You could fast from movies. You can fast from TV. You could fast from negativity. You could fast from a whole range of things. The issue isn't the fasting. The issue is creating margin and room in your life to focus on the majesty and the worth of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know one of the things that I have to focus on when I fast is not just working through lunch, because I'm not eating lunch, so I'll carry on working, but actually taking a moment to back, to step out, the time that I would have eaten, to actually focus upon Jesus. So why are we fasting? Well, we're fasting to increase our hunger for Jesus' return. We're fasting to increase our faith. It says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham gave glory to God. He was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God. We're fasting for an increase in spiritual power. We're fasting to catch his passion for his mission. But most of all, we're fasting just because he's worth it. We want to see his glory and his beauty and savor him. And my hope in this next 21 days is our hope is that you fall more and more in love with Jesus and that he returns us to our first love. So let me give you a couple of logistics as I wrap up. So <laughs> it's kind of ironic. There's a couple of ironies in here that are going to make you smile. The first one is we have, um, and this is not the first one. Let me back up. This is a little booklet that we've produced uh, Brandon and our graphics team and with John and Patricia wrote the words and our graphics team produced it. It's a little booklet of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every day is a day, is a little, um, a little meditation, a little, sorry, a Bible verse on the top. The next at the bottom is a meditation for you to guide your uh, fasting and guide your focus. It would be wonderful if we're doing it together in unison every day. This book Is going to fly. Doesn't fly very well. This book will also be available uh, online. So here's the thing. We didn't, we didn't print out a massive amount because of uh, the cost. We wanted to be good stewards and just didn't want it to have lying around. So if, you, if you're... Um, we're going to also be producing it on our website. Um, so that will be on the front page by the end of tonight there will be this, this PDF version on our website it will be on our app if you haven't downloaded our church app you can download our app and there will be another link to this um, and for those of you that are not on a social media fast here's the first irony it will also be on social media Okay. <laughs> if you're on a social media fast take one of these if you're not on a social media fast for the sake of or you don't um, yeah, for the sake of those that don't like going online or are having a fast online, please don't take one of these. Go online and have a look at it, okay? Um, so that's going to be on your way out if you want that. That'll be at the back. 21 days just to help us guide our fast. It'll be on the website. It'll be on social media. And, um, and just every day between now and uh, the 2nd of February, which is actually 22 days, so you can start today or you can start tomorrow. Focus your eyes, your eyes, your heart, your attention, your affection upon Jesus Christ. Uh, a couple of other things as part of this. Uh, on next Sunday, so Sunday the 19th of, of January, next Sunday at 7 p.m., and there'll be uh, information coming out, but next Sunday at 7 p.m., 
we've decided to have a worship evening for all uh, for the church anyone that wants to gather with us 7 p.m. it's open-ended but probably going to go for a couple of hours but if the Holy Spirit moves powerfully and we're here till three o'clock in the morning so be it if he only if it's only here for an hour so be it but we wanted to gather as an opportunity to as a church to worship him together corporately so next Sunday 7 p.m. worship here please join us and then uh, finally um, further information to come but I want to give you this as well on Thursday the January the 30th we are actually participating as Catch the Fire globally on a 21 day fast starting today so every Catch the Fire church around the world is starting their fast today and doing the same thing as we're doing so New Zealand has already been going for 18 hours go New Zealand <laughs> I've heard the future is amazing that's what they tell me so, um, so on January the 30th from one o'clock to five o'clock, sorry about those of you that are working, it's just in the middle of the day because what we're gonna be doing is doing a, uh, a global webcast for all of our Catch the Fire churches, an hour hosted here, an hour hosted uh, in other parts of the world where we're gonna pray together corporately for God to move upon us and upon the church around the world. So from one till four, no, one till five, January the 30th, more information coming. Okay. I'm sorry, I feel like I've got a fire hydrant and I've just gone. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. Huh. Let me boil it down for you. Love Jesus. Love each other. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in your authority and in your identity in Christ. Love those around you. Give him away. This week, I uh, had the privilege, um, Justin Reif, Justin and, and Kelly are our um, outreach pastors, and uh, Justin and I had the privilege of, of going to see the mayor of Durham uh, on Friday. We just uh, had made an appointment about two or three months ago uh, with the very, just, just the purpose of going to say, we're here, we want you to know we love Durham. We are want you to know that we're here, we're with you, we're, we're working uh, into East Durham. How can we serve the city? And, um, and it was a great, great meeting. It was short because of some other things that are going on. Some of you may have heard about the, the housing crisis uh, in the McDougal Terrace, 300 families that have been taken uh, and relocated due to carbon monoxide poisoning. And, um, and so uh, he connected us with a few people to join in. But yesterday we had uh, a, a group of people uh, with Justin and Kelly um, going down to McDougal Terrace. We had a family that was there that we had connected. Some of the kids come to youth group and um, we had moved there, they'd moved out. And, um, and we just went to serve the city to help give out food vouchers and those kind of things. They're looking for diapers, they're looking for um, all, all manner of consumable goods just to serve. So thank you to those that went. Uh, what I'd like to do now is actually, there's a couple of things I'd like to do as an ecclesia together, if that's okay. So I want to invite you to stand, please. And the first thing I'd like us to do is I would like us to pray for this housing crisis in McDougal Terrace. Okay? In fact, Kelly, can I invite you to come up here, please? And um, we're going to, let's take a moment together. Kelly, just give us, uh, like, I've, we've probably only got like a minute, so a quick uh, update on what happened yesterday and what we can pray for. So um, there are about, as he said, 300 families displaced right now in uh, hotels 
And yesterday we got a group together and went to four of the hotels, but we first stopped at McDougal Terrace where there's a group of people who have been working around the clock to help in the midst of the crisis. And we were able to bless them, Ashley Kennedy and her group who are there and pray for them as well as take some of the load off their hands. Um, there was also a meeting yesterday and it, all 350 families were there. And basically they're saying, um, they just, they don't know when they're gonna be out of these hotels and these families are scared and they're angry and they're hurting and they just need our prayers and we need to speak, as my friend Michael said, shalom over the city, peace over the city, peace, yeah. And so we're just gonna pray that right now. Do you want me to go ahead? Yeah. Okay. So Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that in the midst, God, of crisis, in the midst of the uncertainty, you are Lord, Jesus. You yes, are Lord, Lord over the city of Durham. Yes, you are Lord over our cities. Yes, you are Lord that. over our nations. You are Lord over the families who are suffering, who are struggling, who are afraid. And we speak to fear right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Yes. And we tell you, you have no me. place in the Not city of Durham. We tell you, you need to leave right now in the name of Jesus Christ and we bind you and we cast you out of our city and we thank you Jesus that you are a God of mercy you are a God of mercy and justice yes. and we thank you Lord that you love each person involved in this situation God and that you are going to give our government yes, wisdom yes, God we thank you that wisdom is on your shoulders God yes and we thank you for finances God for finances to come through for the government for the people God that the poor would not be forgotten that yes, those Lord. living in cycles of poverty yes, that the Lord. poverty ah. cycles would be broken in the name of Jesus Christ over the city of Durham and McDougal Terrace. And we thank you, Jesus, for strength and energy, supernatural strength and energy, energy for those who have come together, for the churches in the city, God, yes, that we would not bow our heads and look the other way, but that we would look right at you, Jesus. We yes, would look Lord. right at you for the solution and for the answers to be the church in our cities and to yes, pastor Lord. our cities well. Thank and you, we Lord. love you, Jesus. Yes, we we pray, you, God, for a solution right now yes, in Jesus' Lord. name. Yes. Isaiah 58 6 says is this not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourselves from your own flesh and so Jesus we lift up the city of Durham we speak shalom over them in Jesus name we ask for your wisdom. We bless. We release wisdom and grace into the situation. Your provision for finances, um, for the for the city to be able to um, house them. Lord, anything that's any disconnection between HUD and the Durham Housing yes. Authority and the release yes. of funding. Lord, clear the way right yes. now, and we ask for your supernatural release. Lord, the other thing I wanted to do is just to uh, pray for Puerto Rico. Um, our friend Carlos, who used to be here uh, uh, as our uh, pastor here. Carlos and Catherine, great friends of ours, now in Puerto Rico, um, helping mission, helping meet the needs of the local people that have been affected by the earthquake. Multiple tremors still going on right now. And, um, and you know, they need water, they need food, they need electricity. Carlos is there on the ground. And so there's a couple of things I wanted us to do again as, as our ecclesia. One is to pray. And then that second thing I'll come to in a minute. So let's just pray. I, I know I'm going on a little long, 
I'm really sorry about that, but I feel like it's important that we take ownership of some of these things and release the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we lift up Puerto Rico right now. Why don't you just all lift up your voices right now to Puerto Rico. And Lord, we ask that you would bring your peace. Again, we speak shalom, Lord, particularly over them, those people that have always, uh, the families that have always taken safety in concrete because of hurricanes. But Lord, now fearing the concrete because of the earthquakes. Lord, I ask for your faith your joy, your shalom to be released right now. In Jesus' name, we speak to to peace to that nation. Lord, we ask that you would provide for every need. Lord, we ask that you would move the global community to to support them. Lord, that funding would get to the right places. Lord, there wouldn't be corruption. Lord, we come against corruption in Jesus' name. We come against the spirit of greed in Jesus' name. And we say the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Lord, and we release grace and oil. Lord, grace and life. Lord, for for, for the funding to get to the right places for your joy to come to people Lord for your freedom to come Lord we ask God that you would help that nation that's still recovering from Maria Lord that they would be able to recover and overcome in Jesus name Lord we ask for your goodness and your power Lord we bless the government of Puerto Rico we bless the the civic leaders how we bless all the non-profits that are working there Lord we ask most and foremost Lord that you would cause an end for these earthquakes right now in Jesus name that you'd put an end to them and we speak to that land and we say peace be still in Jesus name we speak to that land physically and spiritually we say peace be still in Jesus name thank you Lord you know in the you know we were we've just been moved but I know we're we've been supporting in Durham, but we've really been moved by as, as a leadership team to actually help sow into what's going on in Puerto Rico. So actually, we feel like we want to take up a special offering. Please don't feel under any compulsion to give, but we want you to know that 100% of what's going to be given in this offering is going to go to, um, to Happy Sonship, uh, Carlos's NPO, to help, and we fully trust him that he's going to use all of that money to actually bring... Um, solutions and help and aid to people there so so those of you that use put um, a planning center then you can there's a there's a tab there that says disaster relief anything that you give today to that tab is going to go to Puerto Rico those of you that want to give by check I'm actually we've actually put two baskets up at the front up here if you want to give by check write out, write out a check to catch the fire and just put Puerto Rico or PR or disaster or something on it if you want to give by cash you can we're just going to take up an offering whatever we receive from you uh, and if we've got some additional funds we'll sow in as well but we want to help Puerto Rico we want to bless our family uh, over there so if you want to give please write out a check to catch the fire Puerto Rico if you want to give put it put in an envelope put some cash in an envelope if you want to give by credit card you can and um Jonathan, back to you.